Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 111 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts on the oneouter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com, that's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. And join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the oneouter.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then the best thing to do is email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, episode 111, the date is 9-11 today in terms of the way we write it in the UK. Oh, that's right. And uh, it's the results of the US election and uh, Donald Trump has won. He is now Mr. President. I'm mad at everybody in my country right now, Democrats and Republicans. But yeah, hey, how, how is it? Sorry, guys, I'm a little tired. I was up late. I just, I didn't think it would happen. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't know how I felt about this election. I thought it was going to be pretty funny to see all the liberals' heads explode if mm. Donald Trump got in, just because you know they're so self-righteous and they act, you know. Uh, we want to be on the right side of history. It's like, yeah, okay, so if we don't agree with you, we're slave traders, apparently. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, and, uh, but I, I, thought, I didn't think he had a snowball's chance in hell. And I didn't really think about him winning. And when I saw he was going to win, I was horrified. Like, mm. just, I, I didn't know how I felt about it till that moment. But, yeah, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm going to be on my soapbox for a minute. You were saying, didn't you put money on it or something? Well, what happened is, it's funny, like, you saying that you don't have a snowball's chance, he didn't have a snowball's chance in hell. Like, I, I find quite funny, but I, I do forget that you live in Costa Rica now, and, you know, but you're still connected to the States, you know, your right. mom and but family and stuff. But through the media, yeah. But through the media, yeah. and, like, it sounds crazy, but... Like, there's this famous investor, Jim Rogers, and he used to say, like, before he would invest in any countries in terms of their currency or companies or, or just, you know, like, as a bet on this nation or whatever, he would always travel there physically right. and uh, go around. And he's wrote, like, some great books on it. The, the Investment Biker, I think there's one called oh, or something. Oh, awesome. And uh, Jim Rogers, and he's, like biked across, you know, everywhere, and his observations on the countries in terms of the economy, etc. And I just, with picking up on that, like, you know, I was just in Vegas a few weeks ago, and I was sitting there and talking, and purely from my experience, and yeah, it's no sample size or whatever, but I could go on, just like from what I was hearing, I was like, wow, like, if you are stereotyping, which is what people do in terms of, like, polling and whatever, right. you know, it's they look at this state is always voted this way, and this 
this this race makeup, etc. You know, we'll go for this and that. So they are stereotyping people. It's just yeah, another way of stereotyping people. Yeah. And I was sitting, and like some guys, I'm talking like liberal stoners, right, playing yeah. poker. And you know, if you had a Hillary Clinton badge on, it wouldn't have like thrown me. You know, I would have been like, yeah, yeah. that's. <laughs> and he's like that. I'm voting Donald Trump, man. You know, like Donald Trump's gonna like. And I was yeah, like, that wow. Was bizarre. That my fiance was the same. She was like, it's really, you know, strange and like just so straight away expectations are like skewed in terms of like what you're tell what what I'm told and what I you know what I was seeing when I was in America. But further than that, I can't really explain it. Right, the reason that I put money on it was I thought about it and the whole lead up. Right, I was like, this is like Brexit. Yeah, exactly. Right? It was exactly. And Donald like Trump. But what what was still putting me off? It's all about you know everyone can say oh, I had a feeling on that team or you know I fancied this and that like a total outsider like the Cubs. There'll be people that say like I'm trying to like relate here to you right the Cubs okay <laughs> so, <laughs> rather than rather than rather than Leicester City right so like, yeah. yeah so some guy at the start of the season really likes the Cubbies you know yeah. and he right, he likes the Cubs so he's going. Right, I th- I just I've got a feeling, you know, one of these famous gamblers' feelings or whatever, right? Right. Which I always argue is basically your brain processing your all the information you've picked yeah. up, your subconscious. So some guys will say that, and then they'll go, "I'm going to put money on it," and very rarely do they do they ever. And by the time they do, the price is so small they don't bother or they don't do it, and they go, "Shit, I should have put money on that," right? Right. So I'm sitting and I'm really listening to my like subconscious, but also rational thinking. And honestly, Alex, like. A few days ago, I was looking, and he was like, six to one. And I was like, there's yeah, no that, way, that, that, there is no way yeah. six to one, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, that's a good bet. It's a good bet, regardless if, you know, deep down. I mean, deep, deep down, I thought, rationally, Hillary Clinton's going to get it because people are going to just go with that and stick with the status quo and go with the norm and whatever, right, you know? Right. And then I thought, as I was watching, like, the last few days, so I looked in it, and I was like, you know, doing the usual, I was like, I'm going to put £100 on it. I was like, I'm going to do that, you know, and if I lose it, it's a bit of whatever. It's, you know, it's watching right, the election, right. Right, whatever. And then I said, no, nah, I'm not. And I second-guessed myself and whatever. And then last night I came home and I put the coverage on. It started about 10 p.m. Uh, UK time and I was watching it. And honestly, just like alarm bells ringing in my head going, this is, if, if, the whole program, it if reminded super, me of Brexit. Yeah, yeah if, it, if it was exactly impose, like Brexit when I was reading in the yeah, post. If like, you like superimpose the program, everything, right? About, everything. Oh, yeah. this is like Hillary Clinton's looking great, you know, like Brexit, you know. And then, oh, this is a bit tighter than we think. And honestly, within that, Alex, I was watching, I went, fuck this. I'm, I'm putting a bet on. Yeah. Because even if he shortens in with a few results, I can maybe trade it out and make something yeah, out yeah. of it. So anyway, I load up Betfair. And he was seven to one, and I was like, "Right, wow. I'm gonna put." I was like, "Well, sorry, he was seven point oh, which is six to one, decimally seven times wow. your money." You know? So I was like, "I'm gonna stick a hundred pound on this." So I didn't have enough in the account. I was like, right, "I need a deposit." Between me going to get my card to deposit and doing it, he dropped from seven point oh to four point four. Really? And I had sixty pounds in my account, and I says, "I'm just putting. I just put that on it. I got sixty pounds on it at four point four. And, yeah, long story short, as we all know now, yeah. I swear, Alex, within 20 minutes of putting that bet on, 
it was traded in and traded in and I was getting offered cash outs on my bet now and this and that and I did it on the exchange and then I was like wow Uh, (laughs) long story short like, well, I'm just, glad the destruction of my great country made you a couple quid. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think I made, I made something like £202 profit or something after nice. that. So I got like 260 odd back or something nice. like that. Nice. But um, pretty good. But yeah, that's the old thing now. I'm like, why didn't I fucking stick 500 quid on that? For uh, like no, you, there's no way you could have known. Well, no, by the way, no. the whole time I was saying, because like I know the way they do polls in the United States, which is they go up to your front door and they say, hey, we're doing a, you know, we're doing a poll for so-and-so. Could you tell me who you're voting for, who the members of your family are voting for? And I was thinking every time they do that, like, let's say, by the way, I am, uh, I'm not a Democrat, right? Like, I, I know we've said this a lot on the show, but remember in my ideal America, the gay married Islamic couple would defend their pot field with fully automatic rifles legally while playing online poker, you know? Like, I, I'm all about freedom, baby. But no, I mean, uh, I'm not democratic. And if there was anybody I would vote for in the two-party system, you would think it would be Trump. But I, I was thinking, it, I wasn't going to vote for him just because I, I, I don't like him. I've had to work with a lot of people like that. Uh, I've worked with very wealthy people who believe nothing they say is wrong and they're absolutely insufferable and they can't be made to learn anything. Uh, and he strikes me as that type, you know what I mean? And uh, but like uh, I was thinking the way they do these, like, let's say I did want to vote Trump. They come to my front door. I don't know why they're in Costa Rica, but they got a little lost. Right. I couldn't tell you at the front door I'm voting Trump because, mm. you know, if my ex, you know, was there, if I was still married and she was in the kitchen, she'd be like, what did you say? You yeah. know what I mean? And like if my mother was there, she'd be like, you got to be joking. Right. So I was mm. thinking there's this. There's this angry white populace they're probably not picking up. And, like, look, I, I, I understand why people are angry. I, it, it, everybody's dying in their neighbor. Like, when I go back home, everyone's dying in their neighborhoods due to the opioid epidemic. Obama shut down the local mine because of a global warming pact that no other co- country contributes to. And they're told, oh, don't worry, we just got another new $22 million diversity committee, so everything's going to be fine. I mean, imagine working two jobs while going to school, trying not to fall asleep over a grill, and the same kids that come in mocking you and their new Beamers are complaining that their school doesn't have a safe space. You know, you see all this, and you see the DNC reward people who collude against Bernie Sanders, like literally give them jobs, right? You see the same shamelessness of how they cheated during the debates. Like there was somebody feeding questions to Hillary Clinton that came out, that was proven, and you couldn't even get the woman to look remorseful. She was like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, like who cares? And it's like, I hate how Donald Trump is this moron who's never wrong, but the Democratic Party has this highfalutin way of never admitting wrongdoing. And, mm. and, and this is something in the United States I can't stand, and I guess this is something a lot of white people share, is like, every time I question something Obama does in polite com- company, I'm c- called a racist. And you know what? Obama courts that. He knows that and he works off of that. Where it's a, like, if you get super critical of him, it's like, oh, you just don't like a black man in power. It's like, no, I don't want a European leader for a country of 350 million people. It, uh-huh. it, you can create social programs if you're a very high earning small country. And I think it's probably going to work. 
when you have a country of many people who cannot contribute to the system in a country where quite frankly a lot of people don't want to contribute to the system it doesn't work you know and i'm sorry i'm on my soapbox right now but like hillary clinton was the most corrupt politician they've put up in a while and donald trump is this moronic reality star who the only thing he understands is how to talk at a sixth grade level which by the way is how you're supposed to write a newspaper in the united states and we pick the reality star because honestly this has turned into a reality tv show we can't mm. be like the rest of a sensible world and have like a two-month election process everybody you know, there's like de debates that the government pays for and you're only allowed to advertise a certain amount. No, no, no. We have to make billions of dollars for people, you know. And uh, yeah, we now have a guy who can't be trusted with a Twitter account responsible for the nuclear code. So that that's great. <laughs> that's great. Well done, America. Well done. <laughs> and they're voting for, here's the thing, okay? I've been mostly railing against the Democrats right now, but let me tell you something about how stupid the Republican Party is right now. They're voting for this isolationist policy this is good. If you're going to put tariffs on products coming from the rest of the world, they're going to give a monopoly to U.S. companies at any time. Does a monopoly work? It does not work. I have to pay tariffs in Costa Rica on so many things here, and it's awful for me. An American making money in U.S. dollars in a currency that's weaker than that. It makes the rich richer and the poor poorer. Because I'll tell you what happens in Costa Rica. If you want to open a business and you need computers, you need laptops, you need machinery, you have to buy it with the tariffs attached. And guess what? Only the hyper rich can do that. So only the hyper rich can open any kind of business and everybody else is, you know, you're gonna have to buy, you're not gonna be able to open your business. You're gonna have to work for somebody, right? So it's like, I can understand why people are pissed off and wanna get back at someone, but this isn't the way. And know where I'm coming from. I've had my life savings seized by the US government, given back to me three years later with no admittance of wrongdoing. And on the same day, I received a notice that I owed penalties on the taxes for that sum. I've had them try to <laughs> with, uh, that's a fact. That's a fact. I, I know. I, I'm not laughing. I'm just. It's, no, it's, it's true. It's hilarious. It's bemusing. It's bemusing. It's yeah, yeah, I've yeah. had them try to withhold my WSOP earnings. I've had them repeatedly turn down my applications for tax write-offs for the tens of thousands I've donated to charities. I've had them tell me, "Oh, we never got your wife's ITIN application that would save you ten thousand dollars." When they cashed my check that was in the same envelope, I'm wildly anti-democratic. I, I, I mean, anti-democrat and anti-democratic. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I don't, I, I, I still didn't vote for this person. I was ready to vote for any Republican and I still did not vote for this person. Donald Trump is the same guy who is going to put us in as much debt as Bernie Sanders was going to. So I, I don't know, you know, like, I, I just don't know. We're about to have this isolate. You and our, your country, my country is about to have this isolationist policy get put into place. And I don't think either of us is ready for it. You know what yeah. I mean? And I mean, but the big thing is, you know, everybody does this stupid crap in the elections where it's like every eight years they're mad at the party that's in. It's like, oh, this guy's going to change my life. Like, let me yeah. tell you something. No one's going to change your life. No one's going to do it. These people are criminals. Okay. Like they're not criminals, but they're like, they're hucksters. They're, they're courting favors. They've found a way to legally get paid off with the campaign contribution scales, right? And most of these people have never had a proper job in their life. I saw this in Costa Rica. They were all behind this guy named Guillermo Solis, right? And it was like, oh, this guy's going to change things. Oh, this guy's going to change things. And I, like, I read his bio. I was like, guys, he's never had a real job in his life. He just 
and this is what all these guys do. They work at the university. They work in their little law firms. They've never had a real job. And you know what? They just want to keep getting paid. And one of the best ways to get paid is to be a politician because then everybody has to f pay you. And it's like these people don't produce anything except for favors in their corrupt system. And that's what you're paying for right now. And it's just, you know, I, I, I don't, dude, I'm just so pissed off. I mean, this isn't the country I grew up in. This is the thing that uh, it's not know. the it's not the country that I sort of like even remember being as a kid. Like, right. wow, America, America, you know? Yeah. I mean, Whoa, holy crap! Yeah, yeah, but I suppose nothing is when you're younger. You get right. yeah. reality in life. You live it. You know, you see yeah, it. And it's like to but, America's credit, we're a whole lot less racist than we used to be. We're a whole lot, and I mean, like I remember like something Republicans do is like, what was systemic racism? I had never heard of that before Obama got into the presidency. And it wasn't really a buzzword, but it did exist. You know what I mean? And there was, it, I, I don't know, we've gotten a lot. Once you, once you're the first, like, uh, like uh, once you're the first like democracy that elects a, a black person to president to the presidency, I, I think that gives you some credit, but yeah, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, just the, the thing that gets me again, is just like, sort of, uh observing watching the media coverage last night and then the twitter streams last night and this morning it's just like you see all these people sobbing like young yeah, girls yeah, exactly. like hillary clinton rallies now i'm not going to have a go at them you know the young women and men as well some you know were crying as well you know men cry too you know? <laughs> <laughs> i i love wrong, women wrong. <laughs> yeah, wrong. But, uh, yeah it's just like like you said, you touched on it there. We've said it so many times for years on podcast interviews with yourself or Ask Alex episodes. Like, no, like, Trump's not going to change your life specifically and individually, and neither is Hillary Clinton. They're not going to save you. I saw some people tweet things like today, like, well, that's it. I don't know what to do now. And like, what did you do yesterday? You sat on Twitter <laughs> and Facebook. You're doing it again today. You know, like, yeah. you're still on Twitter and Facebook. So... Like, what are you on about? And well, then these yeah. people, they've got nothing, or they've done nothing, or they've worked at nothing, and they're, they're, they're looking for, like, this magic bullet. Like, politicians are magic bullets, or they're going to wave a magic wand, and, and they're going to get yeah. to sit around and be idle on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, doing yeah. fuck all else, and get paid. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, no, no politician's going to do that. Some of them might say they're going to create this amazing place for you, but... Anybody that buys that these days, I mean, the truest thing ever is human nature and human, we repeat ourselves, you know, this cycle, hundreds of years, um, humans make the same mistakes again and then everybody right. dies out that was alive 100 years ago and everybody, the same shit happens again. There might be newer technology, fancier words, new, you know, this and that, but it's the same shit yeah, again yeah. and again. It's, it's cycles of people yeah. and it's, yeah, and it's economic cycles. And people, I saw people going, oh, I can't believe, like, this video made me cry, like, Obama leaving now and this and that. You're like, people think he's a great president because yeah, yeah, he yeah. has, yeah, because I, he took his photo over, Barry, like, Jay-Z. Yeah? yeah, exactly. Barrett, you're more informed than anybody I know. Tell me something Obama's done during his presidency. Tell, tell uh, me something he's done. Eight years. I, I, want yeah. you to, I want you to tell me what he's done. He sang, like, slow jams thing on, like, Jim <laughs> or something. He led, like, the news... And he did like some great jokes at like the president's yeah, dinner. Yeah, I mean, he's a celebrity. That's, all. That's it's what so I mean. funny when he criticized Donald. He criticizes Donald Trump for just hanging with celebrities. I'm like, I don't know anybody who hangs out with more celebrities than you. Like my joke all the time is like when people are like, 
you know, like my assistant was here in Costa Rica and he saw my like tax forms. He's like, Jesus Christ, right? Like, how much do you have to pay? And I was like, hey, somebody's got to pay for Beyonce's concerts for Obama. <laughs> like, and I was like, and uh, but I mean, like, it, it sounds like a joke, but it's not, you know, like technically I do pay for that. And uh, that's kind of, I mean, this is kind of like the king getting the popper to pay for something, you know? And I mean, the other thing is like, he, he did a lot of like low hanging fruit and he didn't do that well. He went to Cuba you know, to open up relations with them, which by the way, just pissed off every Cuban in the United States who had their property stolen from them uh, by these tools in the Castro regime. And, uh, you know, he went to Iran to open up diplomatic relations with them. And uh, I have no idea why we don't need to trade with them. We don't, they're a state sponsor of terror, you know, and, and we got railroaded on the deal. And, uh, you know, I, and again, like, by the way, what did George Bush do? I mean, it's probably better than what George Bush did, which was a lot of negative things. You know, it's like, hey, let's open up a war, guys. I think I think our economy can support it. What do you say? You know, like and then I, I don't know, dude. It's yeah, exactly. None of these people's. I mean, even like yesterday, I was uh, I uh, I went to I, I went to Costa. It, it was pretty funny yesterday. The day we voted, I went to Costa Rican immigration to extend my residency. And like I had to show up at 530. Uh, to like get something done by 11 because that's how government works, right? And I just sat in lines, you know, they couldn't afford a fan. So you're just baking the entire time. And I got home at 11.30 and I took a nap because I didn't get to sleep that much. And I woke up a couple hours later and I went and I watched the election coverage for like 20 minutes. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like literally they're saying the same things over and over again. You know what I mean? Like every pundit gets up there and they, none of them has anything interesting to say, right? Like none of them, right? And I was literally like, what am I doing? So I went, you know, I slammed uh, some caffeine and uh, I answered emails and I worked and I probably will make a little money today because of that work for four hours, right? And then uh, I went back to watching the elections and I was like, this does not have value. Again, like being on Twitter, being on Facebook, talking about the election, what is anything I'm going to do going to affect it, right? Like mm. nothing's going to affect it. And then I, I asked my mom, I didn't really feel like working anymore. I was like, mom, is there a movie you want to see before you leave Costa Rica? Because it's easier for me to take you to a movie here than for you to go to a movie in the States. And then uh -huh. she said, yeah, I want to go to Captain Strange or Doctor Strange or whatever, whatever that stupid ass movie was. I, I don't know. I hate these superhero movies so bad. Gorgeous visual, visually, but it, it, you know, I'm so sick of superhero movies. So anyway, I go in, you know, and I was thinking like going to this movie has more value than watching the polls, right? You know what I mean? Like taking my mother to a movie has more, mm -hmm. more value than, and I'm like, I don't think. To your life, you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't think 99% of America thinks that way. I think America, it's a lot of, well, and then I, I was watching that movie and I was like, I can see what's wrong with America if 20 of these movies come out a year and they all make a billion dollars. You know what I mean? I was just, I, I don't know, dude. I, I. I, I'm pissed. I, I don't know. I'm just really, really pissed off. It says a lot about us that these were the two candidates. Imagine, Barry, these were your people. I want you to imagine this is your country. And this was like Brexit. I think you guys had a lot of solid points. You know what I mean? I don't think it was the greatest idea. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of the people who put it forward, I'm not really a big fan of. But at the same time, like the European Union does some things that I just leave me aghast as an American. Like, I can't believe any country would put up with it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, like what Brussels forces some of y'all to do, I can't believe, right? But imagine 
I imagine a guy like Donald Trump. Could you imagine the first time that guy's at the United Nations? Can you imagine mm-hmm. being an American that day? And I remember being in Europe when P- Bush was in presidency. And I'll tell you what, you know, I, everybody has this crap where like, oh, liberals are so tolerant. That is absolute horse shit. And I mean, like, I, you guys know I never cuss on this program, but that is horse shit. When I was in Europe, you know, a liberal state or whatever, I got harassed physically. Uh, I, I got harassed uh, verbally all the time just for being an American, right? I remember one time I had a sweatshirt on. It didn't even occur to me, but it had a little, like, Made in America flag on the corner of it. And when Bush was in presidency, they were, like, kicking me out of restaurants in Holland and stuff like that. And Malta people wouldn't even serve me, right? And it, all that crap. And it's like, I'm just, like, imagine being an American and knowing for the next four years this is your president. How, how are you going to, you know what I mean? Like, how are you going to deal with that? I'm going to Europe here in, like, a month. You know what I mean? And now, you know, all these, I mean, like, I have enough problems with Europeans to begin with because, I, I, honestly, I, I don't, you know, I, I love these people. I had a guy sit across the table from me. He was like, gun control needs to happen. I don't think anybody should own a gun. I'm like, hey, I got a question for you. During the Paris shootings, a guy comes in and he starts shooting people in front of you. Would you like a gun or would you not like a gun? You know, and it, the guy was like, I wouldn't want a gun in that moment. And I'm like, okay, we're going to play a game called Stupid or Liar. Okay, you can pick one, but you can't pick any other. All right. You're telling me you wouldn't want a good guy with a gun there. Uh, And and that's the thing. I I don't know. Like, I would love to live in Japan where there's no guns. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. I would love to live in a country where they had four handguns and they lost one. But I don't live in that country. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And it's just and I, I get so sick of I hate smarmy liberals like with a. You know, that hey, you want to be on the right side of history. Oh, if I don't agree with you, I must be regressive. Oh, I see how it is, right? And, you know, uh, it, 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 like, I understand that. But, like, at the same time, it's like, did you have to do this, America? You couldn't pick a Marco Rubio? You know what I mean? You couldn't pick a, <laughs> you couldn't pick a Rand Paul? You couldn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you had to go with the reality star. No, and we always tell people we're not racist. We're not a racist society. We're not a racist society. This guy goes up there and he goes, all Mexicans are rapists. And we're like, that's the guy I wanted. That's the guy. You know what I mean? And he gets in. You know what I mean? You think it's a sideshow act until he's there and he's in. You know what I mean? And now it's like, okay, great. You know, game on. Good luck. You know what I mean? Now it's in. I mean. I don't know. It's not going to affect my life in the United States because then we're all in the same predicament. But like, I, I had a lot of plans to travel. I don't want to travel and have this guy be my president because people judge you for that. Okay, especially when you're the. And, uh, to be fair, when you're the superpower in the world, you have a responsibility to pick a leader who's not absolutely batshit insane. And we didn't do that. You know what I mean? So they have every right to judge me. I'm. Mean, you know what I mean? Like uh, we didn't work together to get this guy out of office. We didn't work together to get somebody better than Hillary Clinton as the opposing team. You know what I mean? Now, this is what we get. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. sorry, guys. I'm real emotional about this. This is, I, uh, last night was one of the weirdest, like weirdest nights of my life. I think if I stay in the States, everything will be fine. But I mean, like, I, I will never forget going to Europe when I was 20 years old. And you got to remember in Seattle, Seattle's a hyper liberal city, much more aligned with most of European principles than the rest of the United States. And they always talked about how advanced Europe was. 
and I went to Europe and I was like roughed up on the street, yelled at, uh, you know, I, I was dating a Maltese girl. The, the dad refused to, he refused to meet me on the basis I was an American. You know what I mean? And it was like, and it, it, it was because George Bush had started a war and there were tons of refugees flooding into their continent. You know what I mean? And they didn't know what to do about it. And I could see why they were pissed. You know what I mean? Especially Malta, which is right on the cusp you know what i mean and it was just getting flooded at that uh -huh. time and it's like yeah i don't know man well and I, I i'd like to point out to these people we put in your european leader he had a not you know we're not going to intervene no boots in the ground and now you have syria so you know good job everybody we're all doing great you know <laughs> everybody's solutions are just awesome you know we're just you know i i just wish we could all come together and start preaching personal responsibility hard work freedom for people to just do their you know who cares about gay marriage or pot smoking why did we talk about this so much you know what i mean like i just don't care you know what i mean i just and by the way i'm a christian right like i don't you know what i mean like there's nothing in my book that says gay marriage is like uh acceptable but i don't care you know what i mean there's so many other things i could be caring about that are so much more important could we all just get together and say like ISIS is a big problem and global warming is a big problem. We don't have to pick one or the other. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm going to go fire a gun, you know, and I pray, pray for America. Not in, not in your mouth. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 not in my mouth. Not in my... No. <laughs> Boy, that'd be a sad way to go. Donald, oh, God. Donald I know. Trump gets in, Alex takes himself out. <laughs> 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 oh, I used to report it to people. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Woo. Oh, boy, this is going to be fun. Trump got him. By the, well, way, by the way, Trump lowers my taxes probably I, i'm still not happy he's probably going to save me a lot of money and I, i'm still not happy. i think he's came out and says first thing we're going to do i'm going to go for i'm going to go for that assassinato in costa rica <laughs> <laughs> he's on the list i couldn't well it's really weird like when at like immigration sometimes they look me up in some of these like really tightly controlled countries like new zealand or something and they're are you Alexander Assassinato Fitzgerald. I'm like, Jesus Christ, yeah. I'm like, why'd you name yourself that? I'm like, I was 17, Jesus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you were 17? Was that legal? No. And it, by the way, I don't know why they have a southern accent in New Zealand, but anyway, yeah, anyhow. Oh my so, God. close statement is just live your life. I guarantee you next week your life won't be any different. Yeah. And let's see what happens in like, let's see how these four years go and then we can judge it and talk about it Stay then. Megan, that paper, live your life. Hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's all that's I gotta it. say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's true. Yeah. All right, let's get into let's questions. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, all right. Let's go for the first one that was emailed in, and it is from Thomas Pavlovchik. Um, What's up, Thomas? So, I bet you live in a sane country. Yeah. Uh, okay, most useful skill. Hello, guys. Once again, I got a question. What would you say is the most important skill in poker? Like, to what thing would you invest most points in an RPG game of poker? <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Last episode was great again. If I had to, uh, if I had to pick an RPG, uh, if I had to pick a skill that was most important when it comes, this is such a great, 
this is such a great question. When it comes to being a professional poker player, and I think really with anything of, with life, I would say clarity of thought. I'm not what I would consider like very naturally talented when it comes to poker. If you could hear my early poker conversations when I got on the tour, it was very clear. I was in the back of the pack. I was a, you know, like a, this guy just finished second in the WSP, but like Gordon Vio, I, I used to know. And like, I, I'd listen to him talk about poker. I'd be like, whoa, you know, like this dude knows a lot. Right. And I, I didn't really know how to contribute. And there was a lot of times like I would misspeak and I, 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 I didn't really know how to solve many things. And, but what I think I was really good at was asking myself, what question do I need to answer? And one, something I did, which was, I didn't realize that it was smart back then, but it, it was one of the few things I did that was really smart is I tried to answer questions that, uh, I really tried to answer questions that would solve many hands. So one of the first ones I did was how often does a four bet need to work? Right. And I was really surprised at how small the number was. And I mean, it, it still needed to work a decent percentage of the time. But I, I you know, back then people thought like if you were going to form that bluff, it needed to work 65% of the time. And there were times I found like, well, this gets a fold 46% of the time with the equity I have. I, I'm free rolling, right? <laughs> and uh, that's why, you know, people used to watch me in 2009, 2010. And they were like, this guy's, you know, lost his mind. This guy must be high. You know what I mean? And back then I probably was, but that, that's besides the point. Uh, but I was, they were like, this guy must have lost his mind. Right. And, uh, but the truth was, I, I, I knew that everybody was three betting, like, you know, a huge percentage of the hands and they were only calling like with less than, you know, they were three betting back then, like 14% of the hands and they were calling with like 5% out of that. So you can do the math. They're folding most of it. You know what I mean? And, uh, but it, I mean, this is all kind of beside the point, but I find like, asking yourself the right questions and having like clarity of thought is really the big deal. And I think that's really taken me everywhere in life as far as just asking myself the right questions and trying to, one of the first questions that I asked myself was, would I do this for free? If it would, I do this for very little money. Could I get by on a teaching salary and I still would enjoy this. And that was one of the first questions I asked myself about poker and the answer was, yeah, I, I, I love this job that much. And then with writing, I asked myself, well, I, I was like, hey, dude, you're going to have to do this for free for a long time before anyone pays you. And I was like, if you don't think you can do it for free, you probably shouldn't do this. And I said to myself, I, I, I think I would like to do this for free. Like, this is fine. And uh, I, I, I think if you can ask yourself the right questions, I think if you cannot be influenced by people that I, I there there's a lot of guys I, I I really struggle with how to say this but there's a lot of guys that have their biases because it serves their own interests like if this play is a correct play they've been playing right the last three years so they do everything in their power to show it's a good play right and then you kind of have to see through that right and there's a I, I find if you can kind of drain out the noise and ask yourself the right questions. I, I find you'll do a lot better in life and in poker in general. And I mean, we talked about this a bit yesterday, which was, you know, what, what were the political elections? Go I mean, we were talking about this today. We were like, uh, what about my yesterday, which was, is this helping me at all? 
right? Is this serving my goals? I think the best way I could say this, because I, there's this new book by Angela Duckworth called Grit, and it's a, it's a fantastic book, and I thought I had read absolutely everything about deliberate practice and hard work and all that and how that applies. But she had a section in there that just blew my mind, which was, you know, Warren Buffett said something that to me was really dispiriting, which was, say your 25 biggest goals in life, pick the five best ones and then avoid the other 20 at all costs, right? Because they're going to waste all your time and there's no chance you'll get good at the first five, right? And uh, she also, she has like a grittiness scale in her book, like a grittiness test. And I, I actually, I found out I'm not as gritty as I kind of always prided myself on because I've switched a lot of projects like through my life. Right. And that's not like gritty people like focus on one thing consistently. I still scored pretty high because, uh, you know, I, I focused mostly on tournaments and I didn't change to like 22 different games, you know what I mean? Then business then stock trading and da, 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 da. Right. But like I did kind of flit around between like writing and coaching and poker and cash games and, uh, tournaments and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, Something that's interesting, though, is like she has this like uh, she was talking about why the Warren Buffett model is kind of flawed, because if all of your goals serve like a really higher goal, then they they all work into one thing. Right. So if you and they had a pitcher in there, uh, baseball again, Barry. So I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know why we love those references so much. But he was talking about how, like, every this was one of the best pitchers we had. And uh, he, he said, you know, like, everything in his life came down to, will this make me a better pitcher, right? Because his real shot at, like, leaving a legacy was, you know, becoming such a good pitcher that people would listen to what he had to say, right? And so there was things, like, in the offseason, like, even when he was eating, he, he, he was like, well, I would like to have cookies, but is this going to help me be a better pitcher or not? And if the answer was no, uh, he would have cottage cheese, right, or whatever it was. And it, essentially, the way they do this is they make a lot of bubbles with goals, and they all set up to this top goal, right? And you can get rid of one of these bottom-tier goals as long as a bunch of other goals, like, lead up to the top, And I find if you can try to think in that way, which was, I realized reading that book was amazing because when I was younger, I had a specific goal, right? And I kind of realized a lot of things I'd screwed up in the last few years, which was my goal was to get a certain amount of money, buy a house, put a little in savings, you know, get married, eventually have the family and eventually have everything paid off and my kids would not have to grow up with anything I had to grow up with, just the financial insecurities and stuff like being on welfare and all that crap. You know what I mean? And, uh, once I kind of got, I got most of the way to that goal. I kind of stalled out because I really didn't know what else I was doing. You know what I mean? And it didn't, uh, it wasn't like, well, I want to become a really great poker player. Oh, I want to become like a really good writer. It was just like, I, I didn't really have a goal. And I think if you guys make your goal, like I want to be, the best poker player I can be. I think that's like the top goal. Uh, A lot of you, uh, I mean, a lot of you guys want that goal and I think that's fine to go for at the beginning. Uh, I I think that eventually you're probably going to want another goal, but for right now, I I think a lot of you guys were all going to live till 80 with medical technology the way it is. 
I, I think devoting 10 years to becoming the best poker player you can be or, you know, being the best semi-professional poker player you can be, I, th- I think that's wonderful. I think that's a great skill, but you have to look at, like, every time investment, is that going to help you? And a lot of times your thought process at the table is really going to help that. Sometimes I find myself thinking, like, God, this guy always gets there on me. And then I'm thinking, like, what use does this thought have, right? And the answer is nothing. And then I say to myself, what did that guy just do that I could, like, learn from that could make me become, like, a better professional poker player? And then that's become, like, an engraved skill where you're not going to hear me talk. How, How often do you hear me talk crap about somebody's game? Not real. I'll make fun. I'll make fun of like how they talk, like about their game. I don't. Th- I don't think I've ever. Sorry, I don't think I've ever heard you say like this guy oh, this sucks. Guy's, like, so bad or he's yeah. Yeah, never. Yeah. I've never done it. Like I'll make fun of like how you, yeah. Like I'll make fun of like your arrogance or something like that because that personally is hilarious to me, uh, especially when you play a card game for a living. You know, you're not <laughs> you're not really doing a whole lot for anybody at that point. You know what I mean? But yeah, and it's a, I I think. My, I, I think this is one thing I'm not really, I'm not trying to sound proud, but like, I, I'm not going to be modest about it either. But I've always asked myself, what is the uh, overarching goal? What is the overarching goal? And if it doesn't serve that, it doesn't work, right? And when you're thinking in a poker hand, there's a lot of times you'll find you're not really thinking more than you're feeling a feeling, which is like, ah. Uh, mm. You know, and that could be your subconscious talking to you, but a lot of times it's just like, oh God, I know he sucked out on me again. And you got to really calmly go, is that reasonable? Right. And I don't think my thought process was that far advanced than many people when I was playing poker, but I was really good at making myself go through it as opposed to like, oh, I can't fold here. This is such BS. And I was like, well, wait, hold on a second. Like, that thought's not helping me. Do I really need to get it in here? Let me try to have some useful thoughts. Well, I have pocket nines. Do I think he three bet eights, sevens, or sixes? Well, no. I don't think he did. What, what's the best, like, two-card combination I'd be? Like, ace-queen? That's not that many combos. I should fold here. And then I made myself have that thought process where everybody else was just getting pissed off that they had to raise fold for the 49th time in a tournament, and they just busted themselves. You know, so I, I, I'm sorry. That was kind of like a winding answer but i i hope it made sense no i i get it and it's it's you just actually made me think of something like when you're saying during a hand there's feelings in terms of it's like you people say you should always think in the moment but i would argue that during poker hands you probably shouldn't you know what i mean because in the moment you're really clouded with like you might have lost the hand before it or the gut or the guy might have like this face you want to hit, you know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. or like you know, you know what I mean. There's a oh, lot yeah, of there's a lot of, there's a lot of haze. There's a lot of haze. Like tra- you want to think in the moment in terms of like the hand and just the mechanics and the mass right. and whatever and like a little bit of like previous exactly. action and stuff. You can stuff. graft on something helpful, helpful from that point. That's the yeah. whole point of live poker 101. Is I'm trying to reduce poker hands to kind of like the nuts and bolts and give people like an entire WSOP. And then by the time they go like, well, I know what the answer is going to be with Alex. Hopefully uh, when you're at the live poker table and all these things are actually, they're pissing you off. You know, the guy has a face where he's looking really smug. Like he, you know, like, Oh, there you go again, kid. The 22nd time you hit your hand. Well done for you. Right. And you don't like backfire on your training. 
the military has a, uh, I, I think it's the military has a motto, which is we don't rise to the occasion, we fall to the level of our training. Your training is supposed to be really difficult. Your, the poker is supposed to be, a lot of times I play a poker tournament, and the WSOP main event, the reason I used it for Live Poker 101 is I got a cash I don't think I deserved. I, I think I used a lot of tricks uh, to get through, right? I also think I used a very conservative strategy where a lot of people don't, I think, necessarily think I could ever possibly be a conservative. And there's tons of hand examples like this in Live Poker 101 where I, you know, like everybody else would get in there and play and kind of gamble up and I just fold, right? But when I did execute, I really executed, Right. And I got a cash I didn't really deserve. But there's a lot of times, you know, I play an entire tournament and there's not really a hand that comes up that's that fascinating. You know what I mean? It just there's a few, you know what I mean? But a lot of it is just my training being applied and enjoying the moment. You know what I mean? And then if I don't have my training, though, a lot of people that are super excited by poker have never studied because if you study the same situations again and again and again, you're going to find the same uh, answers again and again and again and again. And, you know, there's some irregularities, but those don't happen that much. And uh, they're always trying, in the words of John Smoltz, uh, <laughs> Barry, who do you think he is? What do you think he's uh, Baseball. Hey! <laughs> Baseball. What position do you think he played? Uh, hot dog seller. <laughs> yeah, excellent. You got it. The hot dog was created by baseball stadium. I learned the other day. They ran out of uh, something else they were selling, and some guy just toasted up some sausages and had to pass them around. So he grabbed some buns. But yeah, anyway, uh, like he was talking about one of the smartest things I've heard about tournament poker was said by him watching the World Series, and it's like you want to embrace the moment. You don't want to create the moment, right? If you create the moment, a lot of times you're in a new territory you shouldn't have been in, right? He didn't say this, but it was like, you know, if you're trying to create the moment, you're kind of going against the grain. If you're embracing the moment, a lot of times you'll fluidly take care of things, right? And I find a lot of, like, no-limit hold'em tournament players are trying to create a moment, you know what I mean? Well, this four-bet's usually not a good idea, but and by the way, most four bed bluffs are not a good idea anymore because people have adjusted quite well over the last like four years. But you'll still see the same guys who were successful in 2010 just trying to make the moment happen, trying to make it 2010 again. And yeah, it yeah. screws them up. And it's like, yeah, train everybody. I got a new video coming out. By the way, everybody who hears this, sign up for, uh, si sign up for. My, sorry, I was about to sneeze. Sign up for my newsletter at PokerHeadRush.com. I got two free videos coming out this week, and then we're going to have an offer for a pay, uh, pay-per-view video. The, the pay-per-view video is going to be how to study with 20 minutes a day, and it's, on, it's an honest-to-God analysis of how I study. It's just going to be an hour-long video. Uh, it took me a while to put together, so I'm charging what's fair for me. And uh, it's, it's going to be 40 bucks. And essentially it just shows you, like, First, there's like a session, you know, and I show like how I talk myself through hands and I find it's vastly different than how most other people do it. And then there's also, you know, there's PowerPoint analysis of like how you should be analyzing your hands. And then there's an analysis section that shows you. So like, you know, one day you have 20 minutes to study. How should you study during that 20 minutes? And uh, 
and the next day, you know, like you have 20 minutes and you don't feel like playing uh, it because you played yesterday. How do you study during that 20 minutes like your previous session? I show how to do that. If you can apply this stuff, and again, this goes to the, like the clarity of thought, you know what I mean, and taking notes and stuff like that, I, I, I find you'll do a whole lot better. But yeah, two free, video, two free videos coming out this week, and you'll get uh, access to them by signing up. So be sure to do that, everybody. And I'm going to send you like eight articles this week. So be sure to sign up. We're reviving the email newsletter. I'm done with my pity divorce party. <laughs> so, yeah, any, any, anyhow. All right. Mas preguntas, Mike. No, it's it's important. Like, I think that was a great question. That was an and, awesome. Uh, Thomas always has really, excellent questions. Yeah, sorry. And it really, it really breaks it down. Like, so many times have you left the poker table or busted out a tournament? And once you've had a chance to settle and think through the hand, you're like, why did I do exactly. that? Like, that exactly. That was so Such a like, good transparent or, you know. It's like, Such a good parent. You know, my whole work, you know, and this is one of those things people always talk about, like high self-esteem is really important. I have, what was it, um, uh, 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 Trisha Cardner said, like, Alex, you know, how do you say, like, you have, like, basic abilities and you've turned into this, like, really great strategist and, my honest to God answer, like right as she said it, is I was like really low self-esteem and insecurity. It kills me when I bust a tournament and I did something wrong. I always do the like, why? why how do I tell people I'm a poker player? I can't. Yeah. I can't control my emotions. That's the basics. If you can't even control your emotions, how do you have a poker face, Alex? You know, like how how dare you call yourself a poker player when there's guys out here grinding sixty hours a week and you showed up the day before the main event, like you were, you know, like you were, you were too good for the $500 tournaments, you know what I mean? How dare you? Right. And then, you know, that self-disgust gets me in front of the computer and like, all right, dude, you're going to get this done today. You're going to know how to play this hand. You're going to remember it. Now when I bust tournaments, a lot of times I'm like, I'm, I'm cool, man. I'm going to, I'm going out to a concert. I don't, I don't feel bad at all. You know what I mean? I feel good. Like, I did my job. I showed up. Maybe I got, I got some things to work on, but that's okay. You know, I should have a few things to work on at the end of every tournament, right? But, yeah. Anyhow. Okay. Uh, right. Let's get these next questions done. Um, this one is from Ryan. Hi, Barry and Alex. I'm looking for help with the situation I usually come across when playing. Especially tournaments. I can't help you reload, homie. You gotta get yeah. your own. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Please send me three cents. For the stars. <laughs> no, I'm jo- I'm, jo- I'm joking, Ryan. Uh, Playing a stack of say twenty to thirty big blinds in mid stages of tournaments, perhaps approaching the cash. How do I gear this up? Not try and force it, but also not play too tight. Specifically, let me explain. When I three bet. Say I 3-bet a player who has not really been out of line with a hand like 10s or jacks. They 4-bet, which essentially is me playing for my stack. What about folding here, or are these just two big hands to fold? He said 10s or jacks, possibly. Ten, 10s or jacks, okay. yeah. 3-bet, uh, uh, the guy 4-bet, so he's kind of playing well, for his gener- stack. Well, generally, right? if you're going to 3-bet from that stack, you should have a pretty good plan for what you're going to do if the guy 4-bets, because you know, it's just not that many chips to put you in with like 25 big blinds or like 32 there. Uh, generally, and that, now there's, I, I'm sure there's a lot of like tournament players chortling right now because back in the day it was considered like sacrilegious to three bet fold from 
28 big blinds, but there's sometimes like, you know, a guy opens like two X and like, it's been a guy, this happens to me a lot in live poker, right? Where I, I, I've had a guy at my table all day for like nine hours and he's been a pretty jovial guy. And, you know, it, you, he raises you three Betty calls and he's done that like 20 something times. Right. And he, he's just kind of, he's having a beer, he's talking, maybe he's a little obnoxious, but you know, he paid the price of admission and whatever. Right. So he opens on a, you know, like early position. I have like tens and I three bet him to five X because I assume he's going to call everything. And then it comes right back to him and he goes, I'm all in with no hesitation. <laughs> I fold. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I, because there's honestly, I don't think the guy does it with nines. And if he does yeah. it with nines, he, he does it once in a while with nines. And maybe he doesn't look happy about it. Maybe he time banks a little bit. And, you know, mm -hmm. if, you know, I'm sure if they saw that on WSOP, uh, I mean, if you want to know the example, uh, a, a good example of like clarity of thought in staying away from the trends, this is a really good example because the trend is if you're going to three bet like 25 X or something, you got to call when the guy jams. And that's a pretty good trend because 90% of the time, 95% of the time, it's a mistake to fold. Right. Uh -huh. But there is a 5% of the time that I'm pretty sure Jason Mercier doesn't care about. And that's what helps him get so damn far in so many tournaments and uh but everybody else doesn't want to do because they're going to be made fun of a really good example of like clarity of thought was a hand we were reviewing in live poker 101 from the wsp main event final table uh johnny backs you know he uh the board was like two three king and he had bottom set and gordon had middle set and it was I forget the exact action, but essentially uh, Gordon put it all in and uh, it was like, you know, it was like a four bet all in on the flop and he called pre-flop from the small blind, right? Mm -hmm. And Johnny Beck's called there and I don't really blame him because folding a set 99.9% yeah. .9 of the time is really stupid and he'd seen him fold like pocket threes like in the small blind earlier. So I don't think he really had a choice, but here's the thing. If Johnny Bax had called, I mean, if he had folded there, he would be like, you know, I, I, and he was wrong. He would be Satan. You know what I yeah. mean? They would just be like, how in the world could you get this far? And you could be so stupid to fold a set, right? When you think about it, it's like, well, is Gordon really calling with King three or King two? You know what I mean? Is he really putting it all in with four or five, you know, or something like that? And there was a flush route there. And, and, and to be fair to Johnny Bax, I don't, I don't think I'd have, I would have folded either, right? But if he had folded and he had been wrong, people would have, like, crucified him. Whereas, yeah. like, if he calls there and he's wrong and people are like, ah, oh, what are you going to do? Whenever there's yeah. a situation like that, you've got to think really long and hard. Is the public right about this? And remember, the public elected Donald Trump, so think hard about your answer. You know what I mean? I mean, and it's a – that's a uh, – I forget what the original question was. Okay, so short sex. So it, it is possible uh, to three-bet fold. I don't think you want to be doing it that often. But at the same time, I don't mind you doing that if everybody just calls you. Pay attention to how often people call you. If just 90% of the time everybody's calling you – and that 10% of the time, the guy jams and you don't really know what to do and you fold. That's fine. You know what I mean? And this is, happens a lot in live poker. By the way, I've gotten a lot of emails. and I realize a lot of you guys play live poker. So I'm trying to bring that up a little bit more. 
But like, you know, like you have like ace queen offsuit, a guy opens from like hijack and you're on the button. One of the biggest mistakes I see people do is just flat there. Then the small blind flats, then the big blind flats. And then the board comes uh, queen five, six, all, th- all three of the same suit. And it's like, good luck. <laughs> Figure it out. You know what I mean? And then our, the board comes like queen seven, eight, turn 10. And it's like, well, I have my top pair in a four-way pot. I wonder if this is good, right? Whereas if you three bet and you see bet, you just get it in. And there's no way like on any equity calculator you're wrong. And then there's a lot of times you both miss. You see bet, he folds. There's a time he hits, you miss, you bet, he calls, then you hit on the turn. There's a lot of good things that happen when you're the aggressor. And I think we've been so afraid because of this, you know, two plus two kind of, uh, I don't know, like uh, this uh, pseudo intellectualism in poker. It's like, how did you turn your hand into a bluff? Like, God help you. May the poker gods have mercy on your soul. And it's like, well, you know, I, I do that occasionally. You know, I, I, I screw that up. By the way, when did it become a problem to make a small mistake? You know what I mean? I make small mistakes all the time in tournaments. I three bet versus a guy, and then it's like, oh, crap. If he four bets here, I don't know what to do. Oh, God. You know, like, and then I don't do that that often, but it happens. You know what I mean? But I think the bigger mistake is, you know, instead of just sacrificing your 4.9x three bet over his 2x open when he probably isn't four bet bluffing, the bigger mistake is to call off your 34 X stack. Cause I don't want to turn my hand into a bluff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you're asking about this. This is really, Hey, uh, heads up situations, really easy to figure out with card runners, EV, uh, especially pre-flop situations. I, you can come up with the exact ranges the guy needs to have for you to do anything. I, I would not profess to know all of them off the top of my head, but just by doing using card runners, EV, a lot of the days, of my life, I've gotten a lot better feel for it. You know what I mean? So do pick up that software. You can write me for a discount, by the way, also at Alex at PokerEdwish.com. Uh, I'll use my wholesaler account to pick it up for you. But yeah, uh, uh, we got more? Yeah, we got time for one last question. Let's do it. And uh, this one is from Steven. Hey guys, can you talk about playing connectors, suited connectors, suited gaffers, etc.? What sort of big blind stats should I be messing around with these in tournaments? I think I sometimes flat or three bet them when I have no business doing it. Right. Any help would be great. Oh, these are really good questions today, guys. You guys are getting a little scary. Like, remember the questions we got when we started this show, Barry? Like, the, the players were a little different back then. No, uh, those are pretty big, different animals, though. Like, pseudoconnectors... Like, I had a hand where I busted a guy at uh, the SHRPO because, like, you know, a Spanish reg opens under the gun to 2X, and it comes around to me on the cutoff, and in the old days, he had a 17X stack. I would have folded my 10-9 suited because, you know, I would flatten there. It was really likely I was going to get a squeeze behind me or nothing. These days, I'm going to get a four-way pot half the time, you know what I mean? If not half the time, 70% of the time, you know? And so I flatted, I flopped two pair, and I busted him. And, you know, I'm, ju- I'm sure I got a psh when he saw my hand, but, like, I, the pseudoconnectors flop really well. And if you think the guy has a bluffing range, they, they do even better. So I think the pseudoconnectors are, like, jack-10 suited, 10-9 suited, 9-8 suited. 
eight seven suited do like really well. I think a lot of times with those two X raises, you should flat them a lot more than people realize. Uh, just because short stacks hitting like a combo draw is a way more beneficial, like equity wise than a lot of people realize getting it in. And, uh, if you think the guy's tight, by all means, like fold. But a lot of times guys are just, you know, goofing off these days and they're opening their jackets suited from any position. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. I had a really weird moment where I was talking with Carlos and he was like, yeah, I folded Jack Knight suited under the gun yesterday. That was the weirdest thing, but you taught me how to do that. And I was like, I remember when I was the hyper aggro guy, cause I opened that under the gun and that's just standard operating procedure these days. So in today's games, when a guy opens, I don't really count it as a really strong range. Uh, I flat a lot more with my, you shouldn't three bet them as much because you do need a flatting range. And like you should three bet them like 20% of the time and like 80% of the time you, you should, uh, you should call, right? Because you do need a calling range and with your calling range, you want to pick hands that play very well multi-way because most of these pots are going to be played multi-way these days. At least the big blind's going to call you. A lot of times the small blind's going to call you. And mm-hmm. so with these big four-way pots, like these pseudo connectors are just aces essentially because it was, uh, it, 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 it it gives you a really good chance to make better than one pair on the Turner river, which is generally going to be the winning hand in a multi-way pot. And a lot of guys cling on to their top pair way more than they should. So especially if they're, you know, you're like 40, 50 X deep, it's even better. Right. And then suited gappers are like a different animal, right? Because like a guy now I'm like, now I'm three betting a lot more, uh, Generally, I three bet like 70% of the time and then flat like 30% of the time just when I think it's going to go flat, flat, flat around me. But I three bet so much more. Back in the day, I would flat like 60% of the time and three bet 40% of the time. I three bet so much more these days because nobody can fold to a three bet. And these hands play really well uh, in three bet pots and they don't really play that well in multi-way pots, it, it seems like a small difference, 10-9 suited to 10-8 suited, but the straight draws you make a lot of times with the gappers are not the nut straight draws, right? Now, they are a little bit more concealed, so, like, if you're really deep stacked, that's really nice, because then a lot of times guys won't put you on that hand, and if you're, like, 60-70 X deep, you can just take them for everything, whereas a lot of people can pick out, you know, the board comes, like, 8-7 X, and then, you know, the turns of jack, most people automatically think... You know, nine, yeah, they yeah. automatically think nine ten. Whereas if it comes nine seven turn five, you know, a lot yeah, of people yeah. aren't putting eight six in there as fast <laughs> as they should, right? So if you deeper stack, I like them as a flat a little bit more. Uh, you also now I see a lot of people extend this down to like the six four suiteds and the seven five suiteds and stuff like that. A lot of those hands are really brittle, right? And they should. If you folded those to a raise like every single time, you would not be making that big of a mistake. But if you played them every single time and you don't know what you're doing, that's a pretty big mistake a lot of the time. So I, I think it's a, it, with the smaller – here's the thing. Like I, I would like to give you a hard and fast rule. And uh, in, the words of, you know, in the words of a great poker coach, you know, people ask for if they want an answer that's binary when really it's on a continuum. But uh, – I think that's as well as I can explain it right there. Yeah. With the time yeah. I have today. Okay. 
And uh, that was good. Big catch up on the world apparently ending and three questions, three questions as well. So we did well. We did the one hour podcast and Ask Alex episodes keep on going regardless of who's in power where. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Soon to be done from my underground lair, you know, yeah. <laughs> running away from the death camps. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay, Alex, how can people? Actually, I should mention I got a copy of your book today through the post from Amazon. I Thanks. bought it myself. Thank Alex you, man. didn't give me it. I bought it from Amazon. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading that. And uh, anyone that's not got it yet, it is. A, it feels like a lump, Alex. Yeah. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's a big book. It's a, and it's a nice. It's not big, big in terms of it's thick. It's a thick book. Right. And uh, it's really nice sort of size. It feels like a handbook sort of thing. It's glossy and. Right. I flick through it, and um, there's lots of little pictures and graphics of, um, lots of numbers and stuff, and playing around with things. And then there's also. Uh, lots of Alex's uh, great writing, so I'm looking forward to reading it. Thank you, uh, just literally, this is this is it flicking through. <laughs> there you go. I, I did it in the mic. Nice. So uh, there we go. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that. And um, yeah, uh, so if you've not got that, check it out. I know someone did email me and said it was like fifty pounds on Amazon UK. But uh, as I said, there's always a few listings on Amazon of like different people listening things. So. Just have a fish around. I posted it in the Facebook group. It's it's round about RRP and round about there. I think I, I got it for like sixteen or seventeen pounds delivered. So and that was new from like the book depository or someone or whoever it was through Amazon. So uh, yeah, check that out. Alex, how can people get in touch with you for Life Poker One Hundred and One webinars and keeping your sort of in the loop with all your uh, comings and goings of videos and and, and great deals you got. Yes, uh, well, everybody, I'm done with my pity party, so I should be on my email more. I'm also done with, uh, you know, <laughs> Costa Rican immigration, uh, going to the doctor every 44 minutes. <laughs> Still got some other stuff going on, but, oh, crap. Actually, I think I got to go to the dentist today uh, with my mom, but I, I just remember that. Anyhow, uh, good thing I remember that, Barry. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like every other day there's an appointment, so I'm forgetting it. But yeah, uh, I should be, I, I should be answering all the emails as soon soon as uh, I get them these days. And uh, so you can write me at alex at pokeradrush.com. Uh, and if you guys want to subscribe to the email newsletter, we, I, as I discussed earlier, we got a lot of free videos coming out this week. So you want to be signed up for that. I also have a lot of articles uh, that are coming out. So be sure to sign up for that. And uh, that's at PokerHeadRush.com. You can sign up for that. That's my uh, that's kind of my butt ugly uh, 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 blog. But you can check that out if you want strategy articles, if you want uh, interviews, if well reviews of the random crap I'm reading and stuff like that. PokerHeadRush.com. And uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's pretty much it. Follow me on Twitter at the Assassinato. And, uh, yeah, go to PokerAdrush.com. There's links to everything you could possibly want. I also started blogging again. A lot of people seem to be into that. Uh, people seem really happy for that to come back, actually. So thank you guys for the emails for all that. I, I really appreciate that. And onward, onward and upward, man. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. It's good the blogging's back because that's how I first came across you. Oh, uh, yeah? Uh, well, I, actually, I first came across you with the uh, – 
card runners, I think. Uh, not card runners, card player articles. Oh, really? Oh, cool. And then, or no, was it, I think, no, actually, I think it was your blog, and then I read one of your articles, and then at the end, it was like Alex Fitzgerald, and then I had your blog as well, and I was like, oh, it's the same guy. Oh, you know, yeah, I was that's like, cool, right. man. Oh, that's cool. And then, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, that was, that was your I think, I think, years ago. I, I think you were, didn't you read the whole blog? You were one of those people, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I, like, saved it. A lot of people have done that. Oh, dude, I called an assistant. I was like, hey, why don't you print out that whole blog for me? You'll edit, I'll edit it, and then we'll, like, put it out as, like, a book, you know? And we'll take out some of the more embarrassing sections I wrote while drunk, you know? And, uh. Yeah, it's like, dude, it's like 2,000 pages. <laughs> so I was like, Jesus, Lord, when I got it. Yeah. I, they were like, yeah, uh, have fun editing this. And I was like, yeah, uh, no. And I like, I, I threw it into my, you know, inbox. Like, here, yeah. uh, it, it's, 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 been, yeah. it's been sitting there for 15 months. But yeah, yeah. maybe we'll, maybe we'll do something. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to read back on. It, 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 tons of crap I forgot about, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's the amazing thing with it. It's yeah, good, yeah, you know? it's, it's good. So I'm taking up all y'all time. Okay, let's uh, let's no. wrap it up, man. Oh, you good? Yeah. You good? If you want, well, just if you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, as I said at the start, but I say it again at the end in case people don't, you know, they forward through the intro. I know how it works. Um, just email questions at oneouter.com and we will ask Alex for you, and he will answer it. So that was all I wanted to say, Alex, and. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep your questions coming in. And until next week, cheers. My coffee is better than Chase Bianchi's. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Every day in America's card room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. All right, take care, everyone. (laughs) All right.